Welcome to Excel Boats on the X Podcast, powered by Mud Buddy Motors. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. The only podcast to bring you insights on the world of hunting, fishing, and boating. With your host, J. Paul Jackson. You don't say much, do you? Now, blow it up and side in. This is On the X. Welcome to the Excel Boats On the X Podcast, powered by Mud Buddy Motors. J. Paul Jackson here with uh, my co-host this week, filling in for Dave Reynolds out in Utah, Mud Buddy's own Keith Mitchell. And uh, they say the third time is the charm. Back for his third visit with us here on the On The X podcast it is our good friend from Camp Chef, Mr. Ryan Neely. What's going on, guys? How you doing out there? Man, I'm doing great. Duck season is right around the corner for me. And I guess for you guys... It's in full swing. I know, Keith, you've already been out, haven't you? I've been out a couple times with Clint, and uh, it's been two really good hunts. So, yes, it's been nice. Temperature's a little warm. I think we were out last Friday. It was a, it was a calm 63, sunshiny, no wind, everything you should not have when you go duck hunting. But you killed ducks. But we killed, we killed ducks. That's all that mattered. Cool. How about you, Ryan? You been out much? You know, I've been out, I went out on opening day, um, but for me, it's still been big game hunting season. So that's been in full swing for me. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I made it out opening day and I haven't been out uh, since these. So for the first couple of weeks, I, I haven't made it out, but yeah, it's been warm. It, you know, the cold weather just really hasn't hit yet. So yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll make it out. I'll make it out when that comes. It's 83 here in West Tennessee today. Oh, yuck. <laughs> I know, man. I mean, it's it's almost November 1. I actually probably will be by the time we put this on the air. And, you know, today's October 30th that we're recording this. And, yeah, 83 degrees. And so I've been trying to bow hunt a little bit for deer, but, man, it's tough. I did take my, my nephew uh, Sunday afternoon. It was, it was in the upper 60s, low 70s, and I did take my – nephew on a youth hunt uh day before yesterday and we did see a bunch of deer despite how warm it was he didn't you know we didn't have anything close enough for him to get a shot but i'm definitely ready for it to some frost to hit and the ducks come down this way you guys have them all out west right now yeah we do i mean clint's clint's clint where i and clint hunt it was uh the water was black on friday last week it was amazing. We were nervous because it's been so warm. Is Blackwater good or bad? Oh, full of ducks. That's wonderful. It was all black. <laughs> duck. black. All right, I got you. Black okay. with ducks, man. We it's always that you come around the corner like anticipation. We left work early. Actually, we snuck out of work early and come around the corner and the pond is just crawling with ducks. And it was like, okay, well, we got ducks now. Well, they fly. That was the next week. And they did. They cooperated really well. That's awesome. And you made a little video, I understand. Yes, we uh, put Jeff, Jeff put a GoPro together for me, took it out there, and he just did a little one-minute video to kind of uh, promote our um, shallow water show for tomorrow. So and there's the a, little bit of act, a little bit of action out there. As you see, a little bit of shooting, Clint throwing some decoys and – Beautiful, clear day in Utah. Good stuff. Where can I find that if I'm watching? 
Um, it's I think he posted it to Mud Buddies Facebook page and to Excels. Ryan, you're going there right now, checking it out, right? <laughs> I'm on it. I'm on it. <laughs> yeah. <all right. laughs> Man, but that's why it's so quiet over here. <laughs> I'm looking up these scrolling. YouTube videos of duck yeah. hunting. Yeah. <laughs> <I hear you. laughs> wow. Well, man, it's good to have you with us. So you've been big game hunting. Have you killed anything? Yeah, I have. Um, let's see. I started out my season. Well, I started out my season uh, bow hunting for mule deer. I haven't had anything happen there yet, but um, I did shoot an antelope in Wyoming. Um, and I'll tell you what, those are fun. I forget how fun that hunt is. You know, you just see if if you ever go on, you know, sitting in a tree stand for days and you never see a single animal, you know, whitetail hunting or something, go to Wyoming on an antelope hunt because it's 100% opposite. You just see, I don't know how many animals. I mean, just, it's a, you know, you just pull in, you're like, pass, pass, pass. Oh, I like that one. I think I'll take him, you know, but uh, it's a lot of fun. So I think anyway, it'd be, I did do a, I've never had antelope. How is it? There, you know what? It depends how who you ask, but I have found that the people who say they don't taste good are overcooking it. Story um, of our lives. So they are actually really good, and there's some good good flavor there. Um, but as soon as you overcook it, it's going to be bitter and nasty and taste like sagebrush. Um, so when people tell you that, you know, there's a few things that if you do wrong with antelope, it's going to be terrible. So it's 80 degrees outside and you're hunting don't throw it in the back of your truck all day you know take that skin off get it uh cooled down as quick as possible get it on ice as quick as possible um and then it'll, it'll taste fine doing that the next thing is um don't overcook it you know uh once it's all processed everything comes time to cook um you know especially your back straps or steaks or whatever do it like a, a nice medium rare and it's it's really good. With almost all game, I mean, overcooking is the scourge of wild game. It, has to be. It's the same thing with waterfowl. It's the same thing with waterfowl. I've had, I mean, first couple of times I cooked waterfowl, it was I couldn't even finish it. I, I could <laughs> I couldn't. It was it was bad. Um, that's because I was cooking it well done um, for the most part, and you know, I think uh, you know do it medium rare don't be don't be scared to do that you're not going to get sick and um it'll be it can be delicious some of the best food i've had has been duck or goose so oh yeah yeah anyway those are a few tips for those guys out there i love teal and we i had some left over from last year the last bag in the freezer the other night and we took them out thawed it and um man you know I, I basically uh, took those breasts. I was kind of in a hurry, and several of them still had the uh, still had the skin on them, and uh, so I took the skin off of them because I didn't want to spend a lot of time rendering it out with cooking the meat with the skin on it. Usually I do that, but I pulled the skin off of them and threw that in one of my Camp Chef iron skillets on the cooktop and let render the fat out of it and made mashed potatoes and then uh 
took the breast, put the skin off, marinated them for just a few minutes um, where it wasn't overpowering and threw them on the grill and brought them off while they were still really, really rare. And they were so incredible. And then I took that fat in that iron skillet and added a little bit of flour and made a roux out of it and then turned that into a white gravy and served it over the mashed potatoes with that grilled duck. And it was phenomenal. And now I'm sick that that was my last bag of duck and it's going to be six <laughs> weeks or more before I can shoot a duck here. So, <laughs> well, you, you guys are still out that far? Well, for me, I won't really start hunting until after the 1st of December. Our season in Tennessee will start the weekend after Thanksgiving. Of course, I hunt the Boot Hill in Missouri. Um, and the middle zone is opening up here in a few days, but I doubt I'll get to hunt. Uh, and, and also, I mean, when it's 70 degrees here, I don't care anything about it. I mean, we don't, you know, it's just not, <laughs> I don't know. I, I wanted a little bit of frost on the pumpkin to get really get out there and get after it, you know. And that's the thing about the birds, too. I mean, you know, you shoot your limit on a 65, 70 degree day. You better get back to the house and you know get it clean quick yep. quick and, and i like to age mine you know a lot of times i'll bring back um you know duck if it's really cool and hang them out in my shop in my shed for four or five six days before i even dress them just hang them whole you know with, if it's 40 50 degrees let it let that meat age with the feathers skin fat everything you know on them and I think it makes it way, way better. What yeah, you it does. Dry aging is, uh, it's, you know, I definitely recommend it. Um, I try to do it with all my big game animals. It depends on the time of year, you know, that I kill them and, and what kind of uh, space I have to do it. But um, if you have the ability, you know, especially ducks when it's cooler time of year, if you can dry age those, just, yeah, just, you know, you can hang them whole. Um, like you said, feathers and skin and everything. Um, let them sit there. You're saying four, five, six days. You can go seven to ten or more. Um, oh yeah. You know, with wild, with with uh, with big game. If I'm dry aging, it's usually ten to fourteen days. Um, you know, so don't. That's a great way to just help help uh, increase the flavor of that of that meat. Yeah, you know, and the big thing I tell people about that, too, and I'd like your all's opinion on it, but, you know, I do duck both ways. I do sometimes I fillet them and take the skin off of them. Uh, but if I'm going to if I'm going to pluck them and then cut those breasts out and leave the skin and the fat on them, when I age them, I want to, you know, I want to leave the feathers and everything on them where, you know, it doesn't dry out. That'll help retain some moisture um, inside there, you know, at the same time. And I, I I've went many times for a week when it's been cool enough. The problem that we have here, though, with hanging your ducks, um, unless you've got like a cooler or something that's controlled, which I don't, uh, you know, we'll get days in the 60s and 70s, even in December and January. And, you know, I want to keep it below 50 degrees, but I'm going to let them hang for a week, week or more. But, you know, um, I love them dry age. Of course, you know, we couldn't have a conversation about Camp Chef uh, without talking about the Camp Chef chef, Scott Laysath, a little bit. And Scott has made me also a fan of, if I don't have the ability to dry age them, uh, of um, brining them for a few days as well. You know, has has a very similar effect. And I, I think 
unless you're just gonna, you know, take them fresh from the carcass to the to the grill or the skillet, uh, put some age on that bird in one way or another. Yeah, I would agree. And the biggest thing, you know, you talked about temperature, and it's it's tough, you know, here in Utah. Um, if you sure shoot an early season deer, a lot of places in the country, you know, it's 80, it can be 80 degrees outside, you know, 60, 70, whatever. Um, so, you know, there's a few things you can do. I've actually been looking for one. I haven't found one yet, but I'm looking for, um, just a, an old refrigerator. I've been searching Craigslist so I could do this. Um, but just get an old refrigerator. I can throw it in my garage and then I was going to put some steel rods in there. And that way I can just hang, um, you know, for deer, I can hang whole quarters in there for ducks and geese. You can just hang, hang throw the ducks in there and let them age. And that way it's in a, in a controlled environment. Um, bacteria really thrives um, starting at 40 degrees on up between about 40 degrees up to about 140 degrees. That's where bacteria is really going to um, just thrive and grow in those kind of environment, in that kind of temperature environment. So when you're dry aging, it's best to keep it above freezing. So above 32 degrees and then below 40 degrees. So if you can just keep it right there around 35 on average, you know, um, if I kill like a later season elk or something here out West or, um, I'll just hang it in the garage because it usually keeps it around, you know, 35 degrees. It's not freezing, but it's next to the house. So it, it, uh, it kind of holds that temperature there. And that way bacteria is not thriving or growing all over it. Um, and then, you know, the other thing with dry aging, just, just watch the smell. If it smells bad, it's probably bad. And <laughs> you, you might have to throw it out. So if it, um, if it's not, if it doesn't smell bad, then you're probably good. And then just, you know, um, if the meat is exposed, just peel off that or cut off that outer, outer layer and, um, give it a cook and you're good to go. Well, you know, and you just, it on something a lot of people don't realize, particularly on big game, not so much waterfowl, but you know, on big game, I mean, I, I've had deer that, you know, I, I hung for, you know, 10 days and maybe you got a little bit warm in there and, you know, I go to dress that deer and, and, uh, you know, particularly if some of the skin's been exposed, like inside the hindquarters, you know, where, where it's field dressing, you know, it started, you know, to, to turn, you know, that off color just a little bit. That doesn't mean the deer is bad by any means. It just means, you know, hey, take an eighth of an inch of the meat off of the outside of it. Take that outside, you know, edge off of it and you'd be amazed. You get right back in there where that meat is wonderful, you know. Um, yeah. So, and it's gonna it and that's gonna do that where that meat is exposed, um, it'll it'll dry up and it, and that the the outer portion of that meat's gonna become dry. So you just cut it off, um, and then you underneath that you've got great tender meat there. Um, yeah. One thing to remember is you're gonna lose quite a bit of of weight off this. So um, as you're dry aging it, it's getting dry. You're drying it out a little bit. Um, at least the outside of it. So you're going to lose, um, you're going to lose a little bit of meat out of it, but it's going to, it's going to taste a lot better. If you, you know, if you, if you harvest like a small white tail or a, a smaller animal that there's not, you know, the back straps or something are really small. 
Um, you might want to think about dry aging it before you do, just because you're going to lose some of that um, as that meat will shrink as you dry age it over time. But overall, I would highly recommend doing it. I think it's the, it's, it's the way to go. Just watch the temperature of it. It's really easy. Um, and again, that meat's going to be a lot more tender. Yeah, and, you and know, flavorful you, too. Yeah, you just hit on something too. I mean, that's one of the things about dry aging. It also makes not overcooking it much, much more important because as some of that moisture comes out of there, you know, you want to be careful that you don't overcook it uh, so it stays good and moist. You know, a lot of people think, oh, well, if you dry age it, it's going to be dry and tough. And that's not the case at all. You just got to, you know, make sure that you don't overcook it and cook all the moisture out of it because then it will be tough. But a lot of times because, you know, the enzymes and bacteria have been working and breaking that meat down, you know, aging, it actually makes, should make it more tender if it's cooked correctly. Exactly. And that's what it will, will do. It'll, those enzymes will go in that meat. Like you just said, it breaks it down and makes it really good and tender. So, you know, you go to a high-end steakhouse. In fact, I was at your end of the country. Uh, when was this? Back in March. And uh, anyways, we went to some nice steakhouse and that's what they were touting is their dry-aged beef that they served. Um, it was great. It was delicious. You could see the cooler in there where they dry aged it all. And they went for like 45 days or something like that. It was, um, but anyways, phenomenal, really good. And you can do the same thing, you know, as long as you have the right environment to do it. So use your refrigerator or if it's cold outside, you know, hang it in the shed, something like that. Just watch that temperature. As long as it doesn't get too high, you'll be fine. You mean you came this way and you didn't holler at me to take me off the Damn it, boy. Where was You're that? In trouble now. <laughs> I know. Uh, was it Memphis? Where were yeah, we? that's my backyard. <laughs> anyway, I should have I called you. You better stop by your head, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, I'll quiet down now. Yes. You absolutely better. Uh, oh, my gosh. Man. it's amazing though how much you know about all, all of this i mean you sound like you know you're part scientist as well as part chef and part marketing what is your official title by the way for those that haven't heard you on the podcast before with us? you know we I don't even know i we just come to work and we just try to make good stuff so people can cook good food and, so, and you guys are doing an amazing job <laughs> no i'm my official title my official title is the marketing manager um out here at camp chef so it's a great company and and uh it's you know it's become a, a my job's just become a lifestyle you know i love i've always loved the outdoors i've i've been a part of the outdoors from various capacities whether it be uh you know hunting or skiing or biking all that camping all that kind of stuff my whole life and so you come here to camp chef and, and as i get a little older um you know i i uh get, got more involved in food and in that aspect of things and so it's just been a it's a perfect combination for what what i'm doing and i i, I like it a lot so cool well, but all this stuff it's not like cooking food i'll tell you it's whether it's barbecue or wild game or um, I don't know, you name it. It's, it can be intimidating because, whoa, these guys are talking about, you know, this dry aging thing and what is that? And how do you butcher your own 
animals and all this kind of stuff. Um, the biggest advice I would say to anybody out there, just try it. I mean, it's, it's, what do you got to lose? You know, um, it, just get out and start doing it. The best way to, to, to learn how to do it is just do it. And, you know, you can sit there and read all you want on Google or, you know, watch all these YouTube videos, but you know what, when you shoot a duck, go hang in the shed, dry age it, and then cook it up a week later and just start experimenting. And that's going to get you the best results. Then you'll, you know, you talk to your neighbor, your friend or something about it. And yeah, it's so much easier than people think too. I think people sometimes are intimidated. You know, it's funny. I mentioned earlier in the podcast that I took my little nephew hunting and my little brother on, you know, Sunday. And it was like, you know, 70 something degrees. And, and um, my little brother, you, you know, um, asked me, he said, so, you know, are we going to be able to get this to a processor tonight if he shoots one, uh, you know, this afternoon? And what are we going to do about that, man? I don't know how to process one. And I'm like, hey, you know, and Andrew's been hunting since we were kids and he's 45 now. So I'm like, you know what? You've always been intimidated by processing i mean you know how to field dress one in a heartbeat but you know i don't take them to the process anymore i've started doing it all myself because once you get over the intimidation part once you try it and you realize how easy it is man i mean if you like to cook and you're a foodie to me it's just the next logical step you know i bought a grinder yeah. i grind my own venison burger and um you know i i will i've got uh some beef fat that I picked up just a couple of days ago um, since I will be starting muzzleloading season open Saturday and I'll be starting to hit it really hard. You know, I'll, I've got beef fat that I got from the local supermarket where they were trimming their ribeyes in New York strips and they saved that beef fat for me. And, you know, man, I'll, I just, you know, the meat that I don't want to grill or that doesn't go into roast or quarters or whatever, I debone it, you know, uh, throw some of that beef fat in there with it to give it a little fat and then run it through the grinder and it's easy. Yeah. I, I remember, I, so I was doing this actually earlier this week. Um, you asked about my hunts or whatever this fall and I actually shot a Idaho whitetail a week ago um, or a week and a half ago. And so this week I was processing that. Um, and I'll tell you, it's, it is, it's one of those things. Don't be, don't be intimidated by it. Just give it a try. Um, and I remember a few years ago, uh, I had a good friend. He's, he lives, uh, in Canada and he hunts and cooks more wild game than all of us on this phone call combined. <laughs> he does a ton. And, um, I said, Hey, you know, I can get this cow elk tag, but I don't know. That's just too much meat for me and my little family. You know, this whole cow, I, I, I don't know. And he's like, you know what, do it, take it as a learning experience. And I did. Um, and you know, I've processed my own animals before, but I just wasn't great at it. But this time I, I took a little more attention to it and you know what, it's really easy. All you need to do is just, um, you really only need a few tools. I think, you know, some good sharp knives, um, a place to cut just a, your kitchen table will work fine. I do that when my wife's gone, I'll just throw the whole quarter on the kitchen table and, and butcher the whole animal there. And, um, 
it's really easy. Just follow those muscle groups and you'll see how that entire animal just kind of comes apart. It's like a puzzle. You're just taking each piece apart. Um, follow the muscle groups, cut them off. And then what I generally do is I'll have a scrap pile where different scrap pieces for grinding, like you talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll have whole roasts and steaks from there. Um, and usually with my grind pile, just like you said, beef fat is great. Pork fat is great. Go down to your grocery store or butcher and just ask them, Hey, do you have any, um, pork fat or beef fat? And they'll give you a whole bucket, you know, usually for free. They just hand it to you. Um, and then what you can do is mix that. I, I usually do an 80, 20 mix. Um, you know, 80% of the whole muscle meat that I just cut up and then 20% of the fat. And that's a great combination for burgers or, um, you know, sausage or whatever you you want to do, use your ground for. Um, and then your whole muscle meat, you know, you can use that for roast. You can use that for um, jerky, for any, all sorts of stuff that, that you might want to do, different steaks, um, you know, and then, I don't know, there's just a whole slew of recipes and, and different things you could do. I could go on and on. And you've got a ton of them on your website too. Yeah, we do. We do have a good amount of um, recipes on our website at campchef.com. Not as many wild game recipes. So there's a lot of other places you can go. You did mention Scott Laysath earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, You go to his website. He's Scott Laysath, the sporting chef. He's got a slew of wild game recipes there. So pick them up, give them a try. and, And they're really good. Um, and back to processing too, I think when you, when you want to process all this stuff, there's only a few simple tools that, that you need, um, to do this. I was really intimidated at first. I thought, oh man, you know, you see the butcher's kitchen and you're like, I can't do that. Um, you know what I've got, I just have sharp knife. I use camp chef knife set They're You know, it's perfect. It's not like a, you know, $200 set of knives. Um, but they work great for processing animals and that's what I use and then um, a grinder just to grind up those chunks of meat you know you can find those for pretty pretty affordable you don't no reason to go out and get a thousand dollar one you can get one for like a hundred bucks or so Um, and then I would recommend either getting a vacuum sealer and that's what I use or you can wrap it in butcher paper either one either one works great there's pros and cons to each um, but again, you don't have to buy a vacuum sealer. You can do that with butcher paper and, and wrap all that up. And for the most part, that's all the tools you'll need. And you can butcher and process all of the game that you, that you harvest. And then, and then you can be like you, Jay Paul. And by the time the next season starts, you're just finishing everything that you've harvested last season. That's me, baby. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's funny because, you know, all that stuff that you mentioned, I, I've got, your knife set and stuff and your, your uh, utensil set. And, you know, it, it's all that stuff is so handy. I've got a manual meat grinder. You know, you got, you just feed it through and do the crank and yeah, it's a little bit of work, but you know, the great thing about it, um, a vacuum seal as well. You know, when you get something from the processor, you know, you don't know for sure unless you really know your processor. Well, if it's even your, you know, a lot of processors, May not even yeah. think the deer necessarily that you're getting. And also, you know, under what environment 
you know, was it processed? And um, that and that's 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 probably the biggest reason that I process my all my wild game on my own is because I know that if I take it to the local butcher or something, I, I mean, I know for some of the ground stuff, it's not yours. Like if you order some of the ground, you know, for the butcher, it's just a lot more efficient and everything for him. And I don't know how other people take care of their deer or their, their animals or whatever. So they could have shot it and let it sit in their yard for an entire day or drag it around in the truck or whatever. And, I just, I don't know how well that was taken care of. They could have had a gut shot and it just, you know, so I know how I handle my meat and I'm, for me, it's the only, <laughs> I'm the, <laughs> I should probably watch what I say on yeah, here. Huh? You should. <laughs> I know, I know how I, you know, I know how it was handled and taken care of and, and I'm the only one that's, that's ever touched it. And it's kind of satisfying to know that, Hey, this hasn't, this, <laughs> I can hear you laughing over there. But this, um, you know, you, even the grocery store, how many, that steak you get, I mean, it kind of could have gone through, you know, five, ten different people's hands before it gets to you. And I sure so, don't want the guy that's you, handling my meat to have handled somebody else's right before. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I mean, it makes in, in the freezing, you know, I, I had the last year that I had processed, this is what turned me off. And it was a good processor. I'm not, it's nothing against the processor, but you know, I actually took in, I wanted some bacon burger. And so um, I had some good old country bacon on hand and I swung by Kroger and I got some uh, beef fat and I dropped it all by for him. And I said, look, you know, I want, you know, the, the back straps, tenderloins. Um, I want, uh, a couple of rump roasts and then I want you to take the rest and I want you to divide it evenly between, you know, regular burger with beef fat and bacon burger. And, and he made me up some great stuff. And, you know, the first batch I cooked of it was great, but you know, it wasn't vacuum sealed. And, uh, you know, after a few weeks in the freezer, pulled out, you know, uh, a couple pounds of it wrapped up in butcher paper, but he hadn't taken the care and, you know, wrapping it that I do and it some of it was freezer burnt and you know huge waste I'm like you know what I'm not going to do this anymore because it's not intimidating after you try it and you realize how easy it is and for me it's a lot of fun to you know mess around with uh the different seasonings and stuff I know um you know Laysath he loves those I think it's high mountain seasonings I've got a whole bunch of it that I ordered uh you know and I've been messing with that and to me, it's a lot of fun processing my own game. It, it's not super time consuming. You know, I have buddies that say, you know, oh, damn, I don't want to shoot the deer because then the real work begins. You know, I'm like, dude, yeah. you know what? I mean, it, you need a good gambrel to hang that, you know, deer up on when you get it back. And, you know, you just need to set aside a couple of hours uh, for taking the skin off that animal and being, you know, being organized and I, I can turn a deer into a whole lot of other stuff, an entire deer in two to three hours, packed, put away, ready to go, cleanups done, and boom, save myself $150 on a processing fee. 
Uh, I know that the part that I freeze is going to still be good when I take it out of the freezer as long as I get to it in a reasonable amount of time, which the way we like wild meat, that always happens here, you know, and uh, I know it's going to be seasoned the way I like it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm the same. This this whitetail that I did, I, I'd never shot a whitetail before, so I was ecstatic. You're going to be laughing at me because, I mean, they're all over out in your neck of the woods, but out oh, yeah. here in Utah – well, actually, I didn't harvest it in Utah. I harvested it just over the border in Idaho. Um, but, I mean, I've never seen whitetail out here. So, <laughs> anyway, I I, uh, I uh, kind of timed myself as I as I got home. I, I let it hang for, ooh, it was like not quite seven days. I think it was about five days. And I would like to go a little longer, but just weather and some things, I couldn't. I, I, I couldn't do it much longer, but anyways, um, so I ended up processing it and it, and it processing the whole thing probably took me, Oh, three hours. I want to say, and that's, you know, pulling everything out, cutting, you know, vac and all that. I didn't grind anything. Um, what I often, what I do just because of time is I'll, uh, I'll just vac seal all my grind pile. And then what I do is I grind it later when I get more time or something. Um, so yeah, you could do the whole thing in three to four hours. It's not long. Um, just turn on, honestly, what I do is I turn on a couple podcasts or just listen to some music and go to town. It's great. Cool stuff. Easy. Yeah. Sounds like a lot of work to me. I let the butcher take care of it. <laughs> <laughs> Keith, I'm going to come down there and well, lean I, your I, neck I, out. You know, I've, I've got to be honest. I've shot two elk in my life, and both because I was lucky enough to to go with the boss to a place, and they just took care of it. The first the first place we went to, the guy vacuum sealed, which I really really liked, but he didn't take that good care of the meat. The second guy, the second year. He paper wrapped it, but his meat was so much cleaner. It was just a, it was just better presentation, even though it was was paper wrapped. And I we're just finishing up on the last of it, and I haven't had any freezer burn or anything. So I'm I'm yeah. I like you know, and um and when you I I think a lot of times too I like I said I back seal all my stuff, um but if you wrap it if you butcher if you wrap it in butcher paper it's totally fine, um. Usually, I would recommend doing a plastic wrap first. Um, that'll help with freezer burn, and then wrap it with butcher paper. And when you do that, just make sure you wrap it tight, like you're doing a Christmas present or something, and then tape it. and And it'll be fine. You're, you know, usually as long as it's wrapped good, you're not going to get freezing freezer burn um, within a reasonable amount of time. And there's nothing wrong. You know, good butcher paper and everything is is great. I, I shot a bear earlier this year in Ontario and um, that's what I did. That's where we were at and, and they didn't have back sealers. So I just did a uh, plastic wrap and butcher paper and it was great. Still, you know, and, and some of it's still in my freezer right now and it's awesome. So either way you do it, but different butchers will handle it differently. I mean, you might get a guy that, you know, you look at it from their perspective they just want to take as many animals as they can. You know, the more they process, the more they get paid. So they might not always take as good of care of it as, as maybe they should because they're just overworking themselves or maybe a little bit sloppy because, again, the more that they do, the more they're getting paid. So 
it just kind of depends on, you know, how it goes. So again, you know, Jay Paul, that's why I always handle my own meat. (laughs) (laughs) But there's nothing wrong with sending it to a butcher, you know, especially if it's someone you trust and you've been to year after year. Yeah. Oh, amen. Two times, two times elk hunting and it'd probably be the last two. I'm just not a, I love the outdoors, but I grew up on the beaches, racing my dirt bike. So hunting to me is especially big game hunting. I've done it twice, waterfowling. This is my fifth year and mainly because Clint's got me into it. And I swear the best part about duck hunting and some of times the shooting's great, but just hanging out with the guys and just having a good time and relaxing and, and hopefully something flies by and you can jump up and smoke it. <laughs> that is, that is the best part about it. I'll tell you. And especially on those slow days, what makes it good? Just grab a little stove with you. And when it gets slow, just make some burgers or, or tacos. I love doing tacos in the blind because it's just, it's, they're quick it's and easy. Something- Will you- yeah. You know, you did those for us last year and in the shop here. Oh and, yeah. Yeah. You know, remember and, and we've actually got one of your little stoves that you sent us for a, a giveaway. And uh, you know, I'm thinking to myself, maybe I'm just gonna buy one for myself. <laughs> so when Clint and I go out there, because you know, we've all been out there where there are days where it's like, do we sit or we just go home? Well, if we go home, we might miss them. Well, if you sit there all day, you're still gonna miss them. So at least if you've got food. You know, and, and some type of beverage, it just kind of makes the day yeah. go a little bit better. And those tacos you did and those uh, Philly cheesesteaks were phenomenal. And like I said, on that little two-burner little camp chef, I can't remember the model, and it's too far across yeah, the room to look at it. The, the Everest stove. Or I think the, it was, uh, and it came the, with the little cast iron um, pan with it, too, or the skillet with it. And a nice yep, little yep. carry bag. It's somebody when we give this thing away is going to have a nice little present and something to keep on their duck boat or wherever they use it to uh, keep themselves with some yeah. nourishment while they're hunting. Yeah. You throw that stuff in the boat and if the hunting slows down, fire it up and you're cooking up a storm or, or, uh, you know, once you get back to the dock or something, um, yeah, it's a good way to finish a hunt. It just makes it, it just makes it fun. Uh, man, let me tell you, your deluxe outdoor oven and regular outdoor oven, I mean, they are they are absolutely the bomb for that, you know, because they're so portable. And I love your accessories. You know, we've got one uh, that um, just a regular outdoor oven that we keep in one of our pits and the pit gets mice in it. And, you know, for a while, we for a couple of seasons, we somebody bought an apartment style gas stove and and we put in there, but the mice get in it, you know, with the accessories that you've got available, you know, the, the cover for that thing, um, before we leave the pit each day, we just put it in its cover. It's mouse proof, keeps them out of it. It's so perfect, you know, to have there. And another product that I just discovered uh, not long ago that I'm loving for hunting in particular is the, um, the aluminum liners that you have available for your cast iron Dutch ovens. I, I, yeah. found, I found them on your Those side the... out back and instead of trying to hit you up, like I know I always do Ryan, uh, I, actually, <laughs> <laughs> I actually placed an order. <laughs> <laughs> well, <that's funny. laughs> and I love them, man. Uh, I mean, it's just so handy when you're out, you know, 
like that and you really don't have, I mean, cleaning up cast iron is so much easier than most people realize, but you still need, you know, you need some water, preferably hot water and stuff. But with that liner, you know, man, you just throw the liner away and you're ready to go again. Yeah, cast iron is the way to go. And like you said, cleaning it, it's its not hard. Everybody seems to be intimidated. Um, again, there's that intimidation thing. But cleaning cast iron is actually really simple. You just a little heat and water and you're fine. Um, but when you're out in the field, you know, we're not always out there to cook. We're out there to hunt. And we're out there to camp. And we're out there to do other things. Food is sometimes a, a second thought. So those liners are just make it so easy. In fact, last week when I was in deer camp, um, we had some really good food. But I knew that we would have – there's a good chance of us having a late night, you know, because if you harvest something, you're not getting back till 10, 11 o'clock or later. Um, and uh, anyway, so I pre-made some mills, vac sealed them. So that way, when I got back, all I need to do is drop it in the Dutch oven, heat it up. And then when you're done, just pull out the liner and that's it. So the night that I shot the deer, that's what we did. I got back. I'm, you know, my hands are all bloody or whatever. And all I'd need to do is just dump that stuff, uh, and I had it frozen, so I use it as ice for the week in your cooler. Um, anyway, just drop it in that Dutch oven liner and heat it up. That way I could take care of the deer and everything else I need to And I got back in camp, and then you're ready to eat. Those liners are awesome. They really are great. They're, so let me ask you yeah. a question while I've got you here, too. Um, that, the, you've got your outdoor oven, and then you've got your deluxe outdoor oven. What's the big difference between the two? You know, your deluxe out, the deluxe outdoor oven is going to have more heat output. Um, it has more BTUs. I can't think of uh, off the top of my head. Um, I want to say it's around 10 or 12,000 BTUs versus the regular one is about seven. Um, anyway, so it's a, you're going to have more heat output there, um, which is the biggest thing that, that's going to be uh, um, the best factor out of that. So... Uh, other than that, you know, it's looks and aesthetics. I think the, the deluxe one looks a little bit better, better handles. Um, the control knobs are a little bit better, those kinds of things. Uh, but the biggest thing is that heat. So, Yeah, I know the, um, on your website, uh, the, the, rain, the top burners, I noticed, have a lot more output than the, uh, than the regular oven, uh, the top burners do. I, on the outdoor yep. oven... I think the uh, internal output's the same on both, but on the top burners, it, it's significantly more. Yeah, and that's where you're going to want that more heat, the, the more heat output. If you're um, boiling coffee or a pot of coffee or something, you know, you want to get that heat quick. You want to get that heated up pretty quick, especially when it's really cold outside and you're starting with water that's, uh, you know, almost frozen. So that's where that heat's going to really kick in and, and do its job. Well, I tell you what, I love them both, man. They're great products. And of course, uh, right now, the rage is all in the, you know, pellet grills. Um, and uh, I know you guys have several new products. You pretty much jumped into that arena big time and become a major player over the last couple of years. Tell us a little bit about your new products out there, what you're most excited about. You know, I'll tell you the, so Camp Chef, we do so much different stuff, everything to allow you to cook from the back country onto the back patio. 
Um, or, you know, in the duck blind. That sounds like that could be a tagline, Ryan. <laughs> well, we talk about that quite a bit here. Um, but those pellet grills are awesome. You know, we talked about processing your game. Um, that's probably one thing that I did leave out is, you know, yeah, you got to have something to process it. You've really got to have something to cook it too. Um, and that's where I got the pellet grill. And with the Camp Chef pellet grill, you can do anything on that. Um, it's fun. This We just released a new product. Um, it, it works with your pellet grill. So a pellet grill uses these uh, wood pellets. Uh, it's compressed. What it is, is really compressed sawdust. And it, uh, it, it burns this wood, which then creates a delicious flavor um, for your food. So it's all wood cooked over a wood fire and it's delicious and it's automatically controlled. You know, I can set the temperature at 300 degrees and it's going to hold it at 300 degrees. Um, and for ours, you know, you can go as low as 160 or you can crank it up to 500. So there's that big range there from low and slow smoking. And then you can crank it up to, to grill or roast something. Um, what's cool with the camp chef stuff is we just came out with a new product. It's called the sidekick. And that attaches to your pellet grill. So now I can do a high heat grill and crank it up to about 900 degrees and get a really, really good sear on there if I want to sear something. Uh, there's a griddle that I can put a griddle on there. So now I can cook, um, you know, Philly cheesesteak or, or pancake and eggs or something on there. Um, and then, you know, you can put a fry pot on there and fry something. So literally you can do almost anything with that pellet grill and the sidekick and it's the it's the best combination that i've ever had it's it's super fun to use and your options are limitless and so it's you know it's it's just great it, I'd, I'd highly recommend it to anybody out there that's looking at you know what kind of new grill should i get um you know check out that the pellet grill with the sidekick and it's fun well, the, the nice thing about them, Ryan, is I have two of them, and I love them. I've got my wife where I say, hey, honey, I'm on my way home. Throw this on. Get it prepped. Get it ready. And she's not afraid of it. The barbecuer, she was, it was always just a burnt offering. With the pellet smoker, um, it's just amazing. She's not afraid of it. Um, just She knows to pull the, the, uh, the ashtray. I've got the new SG, so I've got the direct heat or the indirect. Yeah. So she knows if we're going to do ribs and tri-tip, we're going to smoke it for, you know, three to five hours. So she pushes in the, the rod for indirect heat. And then where before it's like, hey, can you go start a barbecue? Nope. I'm not going to go touch it. Yeah. <laughs> but my, pellet, my pellet grill, she, she loves both of them. And I use them both quite a bit because I've got five kids and some of them are married. And when we all get together, one's not big enough and two does the trick. But I haven't... Yeah. Uh, I haven't done the it, sidekick. I've been balancing between the sidekick and the sear box, but I think the sidekick's a little bit more kind of which way I'm going to go with that. You know, I, I, I've, so we did this uh, campaign here. Um, when we, when we came out with the sidekick, we're like, you know what? You can literally cook anything on this. Like, wh what is it you want to cook? You know, pancakes, got it. Brisket, got it. You want to bake some cookies? We can do that. Um, and so we're like throwing around ideas and we're like, you know what, let's just cook. Let's just get a popular recipe from every single state. And um, whatever that recipe is, we can cook it. 
So let's do it. And we're like, all right. So that's what we did. So we made 50 recipes from all 50 states. And we did it on that grill, on the one grill. Whatever the recipe is, we did it. And it was fun. And I'll tell you, one thing I found out, America loves fried food. Like, we eat a lot of fried food. Um, it seemed like every state had, a, you know, one of the top five recipes, something was fried. Um, but I, uh, I love it because, you know, like with hot wings, now I'm not just smoking them. I'm, I smoke them, and then I, I drop them in the fryer. Um, and it just gives them that good crisp, you know, skin on there and they're, they're just delicious. And then, you know, with a big steak or even, a uh, like with my venison, I'll reverse sear, I'll do this with waterfowl too. I'll reverse sear it. So I'll smoke it first Ooh. and then finish it off with a high heat sear. And I can do that all on one unit. You know, I don't need to take it from one to another. I don't need to go anywhere or, or or take it inside to sear it or something like that. Uh, it's just a great overall. It's a, it's a great product. I think our, the guys here did a really good job at that. And it's been so fun to use. So well, what, what I kind of like is I just saw, or I've, I've noticed it a while ago because everybody's like, let's go camping. Well, I want to take my smoker. Well, it's kind of a pain in the butt. Now you have that little pursuit 20 portable pellet grill. I'm like, sweet there it is it's going yeah. camping because it's yeah, compact you, instead of taking up half of your pickup bed space with your smoker you've got this nice little one that'll do the exact same thing and you mentioned you have the the sg power uh -huh. grill that pursuit is it has every feature that that one has just smaller so it's really cool it has you know dual racks you can fit four racks of ribs in there more ribs than i'm gonna eat yeah. And, and it's, uh, you know, you can fit, you know, just tons of, tons of food in there for the small little thing that it is for tailgating, you know, throw that in the blind or, you know, taking the trailer with you. It's, it's a great little. Yeah. I little think you're going to, if you, you have this thing, you're going to have the uh, neighborhood campsites coming over and Hey, what do you guys got going on over here? Well, smoker. <laughs> Yeah, you and you come out west here, you know, uh, Keith, you probably see this. You go up, uh, it's funny. I, I love it, you know, come uh, Labor Day weekend or Memorial Memorial Day weekend and, and uh, you go up the canyon, you go into some of these campsites or whatever, and, you know, like nine out of ten of these campsites have a camp chef stove, and that's what yeah. they're cooking on the camp. They, I love seeing that. It's so fun because I'm like, you know what, there really is not a better thing cook on out here because you can do whatever you want there's so much options there and i go on for hours it i because i like cooking i like food i like the outdoors so i just get talking but it's but fun I mean, all the stuff yeah. i mean it's like you can use it at home you can take it with you it's just so versatile and that's what's cool about it is you grab your big two or three burner stove you got the griddle you got your propane tank and there's nothing you can't cook with it you know it's all it's like all in one that goes with you. I've got one that stays in my little tent trailer. I've got one on the back patio next to my pellet grill, you know, so it's, <laughs> I think you're, you're a camp chef junkie. Well, everybody's <laughs> like, um, why do you always buy camp chef? Well, I said, I, I do some stuff with them and you know what? I, I, we talked the last time about those, uh, old people that are on the Facebook and stuff, those groups. And you know what? 
I want my customer service at MudBuddy to be like yours because I've never seen anybody post anything negative when somebody says, hey, call Camp Chef. They'll hook you up. And they always came back, hey, they took care of my problem. It was shipped in damage. No questions asked. The part was there in two days. It's just That's amazing. Cool. I mean, it's just a well-rounded company from, from top to bottom because, you know, customer service, uh, sometimes you get great people and sometimes you don't. But, you know, it just, uh, yeah, I, I love Camp Chef. And I, I get a kick out of when I go to other places and I see people looking at other brands. I'm thinking, you're buying this other grill with this other name that's half the size for double the money. Are you an idiot? <laughs> they, they must be because the guy bought one and I'm just looking at myself and I look at the salesman. It was at a Cal ranch store local. And I just look at the guy. I'm like, why did you, I didn't say it to him, but I was thinking, like, why did you let him buy that other brand? Because the one you were trying to pitch him on, but you did a crappy job is 10 times a smoker. Then he just yeah, walked out the door yeah. with all because of the name. Oh, and that's all it yeah. was. Well, <laughs> oh, that's funny. You know, Camp Chef has become a name, though, that is synonymous uh, with quality. I mean, you guys, I've got the big gas grill, the three burner, and, you know, two or three of my buddies have ordered it because they've seen how easy it is how, for me to take it around, how portable it is, and how, you know, high quality it's constructed. And, I mean, for camping, let me tell you, the, you know, the big gas grill to me is the bomb. I mean, it's super well made the way that the legs uh, tuck under it and you can cart it around, makes it a breeze to carry anywhere, throw it in the back of your truck. I've, you know, beat the hell out of mine without beating the heck out of it. You know, I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. held up really, really well. So every product. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah, the only thing I've done is I broke a couple of knobs. I've got to get you to send me some replacement knobs. But yeah, we can do that. Call our customer service team. I'll do. Don't really call 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 them up and say, "Hey, I need some knobs," and tell me what they say. All right, I'll do it. They'll, they'll take they'll take they'll take good care of you. So. Yeah, I mean that's just one of those things when people on those pages that I follow, it's just amazing how everybody's just so grateful when they've had an issue your guys' customer service just jumps up and it's taken care of. It's, uh, it's just one of those yeah, things. I'm, I'm waiting to see some of Jay Paul's SCC football tailgating with Camp Chef hanging out all over the back of his truck. <laughs> Here's the problem that I have with that. <laughs> and let me tell you something. You will see if you take a look, if you come to the Grove at Ole Miss on Saturday for the South Ole Miss-South Carolina game, we are going to be cooking some game cock. I guarantee you that. Yeah. And, uh, the, uh, uh, but but in the Grove, they won't let us have open flames. So oh. it's the one place that I can't. You can't take it. Stuff. But I'll tell you what I will be doing. I'm going to make uh, a shrimp etouffee uh, on Friday. And I'm going to take it to the Grove on Saturday. And uh, uh, do, they will allow an electric cooktop and so i will be the best way in the world to warm it back up and keep it warm all day is in that thick camp chef cast iron because it distributes that heat evenly and it retains it so uh you will see my camp chef cast iron in the grove tailgating this weekend you know come by say hotty toddy and try some of the trip at you fading you guys I'll, I'll turn on i'll turn on espn i'll keep my eye out for you <laughs> keep your eye peeled baby i'll be in the grove okay uh, every every 
Ole Miss home game. We're there tailgating with our camp chef, Cast Iron. That's awesome. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's all it's all good fun stuff. You know, whatever you need to cook, uh, cooking outdoors. You know, from on your back patio or whatever. We got a lot of stuff to get that taken care of. So. Yeah, I, I, well, I, I love all your products, and we always love having you on here. I know we've went uh, beyond quitting time, and so I, I don't want to keep you any longer. But uh, you know, Ryan, it's always a pleasure. Um, can't believe I'm still pissed off. She came to Memphis. She didn't call me. Only live, <laughs> only live an hour away, but that's all right. I'd have cooked for you too, um, or I had you cook for me. Maybe that might even. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> but when I'm coming to Utah uh this duck season we're all going to get together either at camp chef or at uh mud buddy and uh do a friday afternoon throwdown i hope that's keith specialty isn't it keith uh i try you know no nobody complains put it that way you know so this 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 uh we're actually doing tomorrow i get the week i don't have to cook this month we're doing they're doing a big soup thing and hopefully maybe there's some cast iron if not, but I enjoy when they say, Keith, we need ribs and chicken or we need a tri-tip or, you know, brisket or something. I enjoy doing it. everybody's like, well, why do you like to do it? Well, it's fun. The hard part is, is just trying to stay in between the customer service calls and cooking the food <laughs> without something happening or somebody getting in my way. But I, I just enjoy cooking and, you know, like you say, it's like anything, you know, don't be afraid of it. Just try it. You know, worst case scenario, you burn something, you learn, and you try the next time. Amen. Amen. You know, it really yeah. is. And it's just, I, Camp Chef just makes it easy. That's all I got to say. If I had a flag, I'd be flying it at my house. <laughs> Camp Chef. Well, I've got. Careful what you say. Three, I'm like, seriously, my, I've got three married kids, and all three of my married kids, I've gotten them Camp Chef smokers. All three of them smoke. Hey, Dad, how do I do this? Hey, Dad, how do I do this? I'm like, can you go to Camp Chef's webpage and look? You don't always have to call your dad. But, yeah, all three all three of my married kids, that's what they that's what they got when they got married from Mom and Dad was a pellet grill. Yeah, so, that's a good uh, gift, man. I wish boy, I would have got that when I got married. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, buddy. Me too. Well, guys, man, it's been great today, Ryan. We always enjoy having you. We're going to do this again here in just a few more weeks and uh we'll get back and hopefully we'll be able to record one of these um all together the three of us while we're out there and uh but we always love having you man thanks for coming back on we look forward to seeing you again soon all right thank you all right guys well listen uh had a great podcast duck season it's in swing out in the pacific flyway central flyway northern states um Fixing to kick off here in the Southeast, big game season. So uh, we've got some really exciting guests coming up over the next few weeks. We're fixing to do a, we've had a couple of the sick guys on with us uh, coming up in the next couple of podcasts. We've got the um, Waterfowl brand manager from Sika coming on board uh, with us. We've got a, a couple of special guests. that are going to be a surprise coming up from the duck calling world and, um, course me and Dave and Keith and Jeffrey will be coming back at you for everybody out there listening on behalf of myself Ryan Neely and my guest host co-host today Keith Mitchell thank you so much for tuning in to this edition of the Excel Boats on the X podcast powered by Mud Buddy Motors.